How are you guys doing this morning? All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start off in around chapter in verse 9, but we're going to end up in at through, going through the end of the chapter. And it's rated PG-13 because we're going to be talking about sexual sin. And so if you have young children and you, you would rather explain this stuff to them than having me do it from here, then it probably would be better for them. And so, but um, I'm not going to have any slides or anything. Pastor Zeke wouldn't allow me to do that, so I'm sorry about that. So we'll just have to, you know, just put up with that. The team should be landing in Dubai, I believe, sometime this afternoon. And so we'll be praying for those guys. They left about 10 o'clock last night. And so um, it's pretty exciting. They're going to be showing up, um, I believe, sometime Monday, I think. And so um, it's going to be awesome to hear what they're, what's going on. But pray for them, for God to use them, and for them to get there safe and, and then to uh, get back here with us. And so let's, uh, let's pray about, about this service right now. Lord, we just want to lift up this time in your word, Father. We pray that you will move and touch in a mighty way here and that you'll be glorified. And so, Father, we place this time into your hands and that you'll have your way. And we honor and worship you, Lord. And we know that your spirit's here with us now. And uh, we praise you for the time that we can just spend in worship. And so now we just want to sit at your feet and, and receive from you and that you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when Pastor um, Jacob taught last uh, last time we were in this towards the end of May, um, he um, he t- he went through the first eleven verses in chapter in First Corinthians six, and uh, he talked about you know um, contentions and forgiveness and and walking in the Spirit and those kinds of things, and and so. Um, what we're going to do now is is we're going to go back up to verse 9 because I think it's pertinent for us to look at the meanings of this word and look at the lists that he's going to talk about in verses 9 and 10. And then, um, and then as we look at verse 11, which is our, our help in this, and it's going to th- kind of the thing, the verse 11 kind of ties all of this together for us real well so that we can have a real good hope on this when we come out the other side. And so... That's um, where God's going to take us, I believe. So, in looking at verse 9 here, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, so, uh, sodomites nor thieves, or covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were watched, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now he goes down through this list here, and the first five are of a sexual nature. And the second um, five is, is really about like stuff and that sort of thing. And so he kind of breaks this up into two, but he covers all bases and he goes across a whole gamut of things. He isn't, you know, but, but he's concentrating on the sexual sin for a reason. And we're going to examine that here in a little bit. 
and, and gain an understanding because of the practices that these guys were doing. It was just something that had to be dealt with. And that's where we're going to be at today. We're kind of in the same spot. There are times when the Word is explicit about things and that the body needs to, uh, you know, receive and to um, understand that things need to be dealt with. And we may have practices that have to be put off. And so this is something that we have to examine. It's, it's just the way it is, the way God sets things up. And so and we're in one of those places now. And so um, when he talks about the unrighteous, he talks about one who breaks God's laws. Um, it's pretty easy. And that's who he's talking about here is those that don't know Christ. And so he's talking about those, this, this is the unrighteous. And then he talks about fornicators, a man who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse. And so that's one that pretty much covers everything. Um, you know, um, other than the marriage bed, anything outside of that would be fornication. And so he's, you know, the word is very explicit here. A, a, lot, of, a lot of people take this, scripture that we're looking at here and they like to shred it up into little pieces and say it means this and that and that's not what they mean and stuff well we can always jump back and look at fornication because that covers everything all the way across the board so um, we can't get out from under that idolater anyone even a christian that's a participant in any way in the worship of heathens and so if we start to begin to embrace the things of this world and, 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 or stuff or whatever, but practices or ideals and those kinds of things, when we get caught up in that sort of thing, it can become an, an idol for us. We have to be aware of this and be paying attention to it and not allow some kind of concept or ideal to overtake the Word of God in our lives. We'll have to hold to what's true here and not to take something of the world and adopt it in and try to put this into this and then make it something that becomes the object of our worship because we can't allow that to happen. And he's giving us a warning here. And then he talks about an adulterer. An adulterer, one who has a sexual relation with someone other than their spouse. And... Um, but also, and this is interesting, because this word also has uh, another meaning, which means one who uh, is faithless towards God, the ungodly. This is an interesting th concept here and an idea, because there's four verses that this is used in here, and it goes both ways. And so um, God looks at our sin as adultery. And so as a committed Christian, if I'm one and I'm caught up in sin and I'm going off into some kind of a, you know, area that I know better of, I'm really committing adultery when I get caught up in that. And I have to be aware of it. And it has to be something that I have to, to you know, acknowledge and change. And so there has to be some move there. And so I, I can be considered an adulterer for going in that. Hebrews 13.4 says that God is going to judge um, fornicators and adulterers. And so we have to be aware of this and keep it in our head. Homosexuals. The old King James Version puts this as an effeminate. A male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness. And so that can be the whole gamut of homosexuality as far as dress and actions and all kinds of things. And then, of course, um, sodomite. One who lies with a male as a female. And so there's no getting around it. He's pretty much covered everything here. And, and so we gain a real understanding here. Then he's putting them all in the same place. 
homosexuals have no more greater sin than one who's a fornicator or an adulterer or an idolater. And then also, as he moves on here, he talks about thieves, and that's just a thief. A covetous, one who's greedy for gain, whose gain is more gaining money or getting things is more important than anything else. Even if you've got to steal it, you've got to get it. Drunkards, those who are intoxicated, where ones who's got a drug addiction or, or, an, or has alcoholism or you know, some kind of a, a drug or something rules their life. An extortioner, one who's a robber, and then a reviler, a railer. This is an interesting one because it's like an abusive complainer, one who, who uses speech and that sort of thing as railing on somebody and who's abusive in that way. So he talks about the lust for sexual gratification and then he talks about the lust for stuff. Matthew 6.21 tells us where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so it just depends on what's important to us in this. Whereas when we look at these kinds of things, are some of these things important to us? And are these things we hiding away in our heart that makes it so that, that they're more important than God? We have to be careful we have to, and he covers a whole. He covers pretty much everything here as we're looking at this. But we have to realize that these are the unsaved. Then we also have to understand that these that are are unsaved that are practicing these things, they're going to go to hell. We have to understand that. We have to understand this. We want to God to break our heart for the unsaved. We want God to put us in a position to where we feel that we, you know, we want to be able to, to be used by Him so that others will come to know Him. And so when we, we know that, that uh, when we, we get caught up in a situation maybe where we're going to share or we have a relative or a friend or just someone that we just know, an acquaintance or whatever, and we want to love them so that they will come to know Christ, but it's important for us to realize that loving them is that are we willing to love someone enough to where they will hate us? We see a lot of stuff that goes on right now, especially with the homosexual community, as to where, you know, just love them. It'll be okay. Or, or in whatever capacity of sin that someone may be in, if you just love them, they will be okay. <clears throat> I knew two women. One... Uh, was was an alcoholic, and um, one they were they were two women they were close to each other like sisters, and I mean that's the kind of love that there was between these two ladies. This is a true story, and one of them um, got together a uh, uh, an intervention, a family intervention of friends and family and all this kind of stuff to try to draw her out of of um, uh, alcoholism. She knew that um, that she would, may hate her because of this. But she loved her enough to try to save her life because her destructive lifestyle was going down. She was, gonna, she was, gonna, she was just going down and, and she was going to kill herself or somebody else. It was, it was guaranteed. And so she was... She, um, <clears throat> but, but she loved her enough that she knew that she was going to risk the relationship and the fact that she was going to hate her and, and so she set up this intervention. Sometimes we have to, to, we have to take, like with, with homosexuals and things like that, we have to take what the media tells us and all that kind of stuff and separate it out from the person. 
But we also have to have the boldness to share. And maybe they're not going to like you because you share with them. It may not be the third, fourth, fifth, tenth, whoever person down the way. It may be way down the way before it finally hits. And they may not like you. But we can't allow the fact that our, our desire for friendship or being liked or whatever overshadows what God wants to do when He wants to share and to you know, uh, uh, bring someone into the kingdom. And you may have to sacrifice that friendship or whatever because that's just the way it is. And we see these articles about people and they say, oh, you know, the you know, church hates them and all that kind of stuff, you know. But sometimes we see that from the church itself. Don't rail on your brothers and sisters when it comes to this stuff because you don't know what's going on there. You just don't know where people are at. Even those that may share or people that are afraid to do that because you don't know what's happened in their own past. You don't know what kind of experiences they've had. And so be you know, careful. Be uplifting and nurturing to your brothers and sisters too. You know, let's not beat each other up and everything over something like this. Let's be open and loving to our brothers and sisters as well because um, those that don't know Christ, they're going to have a problem with the way that we share and the things that we share. And it's, it's sad, but that's the way it is. And it may not take for God may have the, the person way down the line. That doesn't mean that they're going to come back and be your friend. And as far as those two ladies go, it happened. She didn't get sober. She didn't stop drinking. And she did hate her for the rest of her life. And that's the way it went. But she loved her to the point where she knew that would happen. And she knew it and she took the risk because she took the risk to save her life and it didn't work. And there's going to be people that you're going to share with, you're going to tell the truth with, and that don't mean you beat somebody up. It just means you share with them and they may feel beat up. Because the Word says to some people, we're the smell of death. And then other people, we're the smell of life. And you don't know. But allow God to use you. And yeah, you're going to get beat sometimes. It's going to happen. People aren't going to like you. Don't allow the fact that whether somebody likes you or not is going to dictate whether you share with them. Or you're afraid that maybe they're not going to be your friend. And then if you find out that someone did share with them and they got mad and all that kind of stuff, don't rail on that guy. He's just doing the, put him in the place where God used him. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin. We know that. We've been learning that on Thursdays. He's the one that convicts of righteousness. He's the one that judges. He convicts of judgment. Leave it in His hands. And allow Him to bring these people and continue to pray. <clears throat> but in verse 11 it says that we've all been there. We've all done that ourselves. And we have an understanding with the struggles of the unsaved. We know we've been there. And so, it's, it's so um, he says that we've been washed. In fact, the term means to be washed off. The Amplified puts it this way, purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. Sanctified to be set apart, to be hallowed. Justified, pronounced righteous by trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And keep that one in mind because we're going to need that one at the end of this. 
that we, you know, by the Spirit, that we are pronounced righteous and by the Spirit of God. So in verse 12 here, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are not, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul makes um, statements in regards to food and, and those kinds of things. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or in festivals and Sabbaths, because these things are a, a, a shadow of things could, to come, but the substances of Christ. And so he's talking about how the Jews would take things and they would, they would take the things of the law and then when they would... Um, uh, try to get the Gentiles then to do all the different things that uh, you know that the law required, as well as being a Christian. So you needed to get circumcised. You needed to wash your hands a certain way. You had to follow all the different you know festivals and those kinds of things. You had to hold the Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff was really important because that was how you got in tune with God. Because that's what they knew, and they took the things that they knew and they combined them with their new Christianity, and they were trying to make sense of it all and stuff. And and Paul is telling us that we have a Christian liberty now. We're not holding to those things because those things were a shadow. They were pointing to the things of God. They were pointing to Christ, but Christ died and rose. And He is already ours. He's there. And so we're, gonna be, we're okay in that. And so we don't have to hold to all those traditions and all those things because we have a Christian liberty. And so don't, don't get yourself all caught up in that. But then... <clears throat> But even when it comes to these things, I can't allow these things to take over or to have some kind of power over me or to allow sin to enter into this kind of thing. I don't have the liberty to sin and, and such, but I can, you know, when it comes to, to this sort of thing, I can, I can, um, <clears throat> I can feel that, that, you know, I don't have to hold to the law and all those kinds of traditions and stuff. I have the liberty to do that, but at the same time, you know, I don't have the liberty to sin. And that's kind of what was going on here. In verse 13, he says, Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And so he says that what was happening here was that there was sexual sin within the church. And he's saying, look, I've got to eat, you know. And we have liberty as far as it goes with, with food. And so there's, there's situations that go on with food, but we've got to eat. And so if you're going to get all caught up in what you can't eat and what you can't eat and all that kind of stuff and everything else, we can work that all out. But when it comes to whether it's okay, whether I have you know, sexual immorality going on and illicit sex, no, that is not part of it. And you don't have the freedom to do that. No, that doesn't work here. That's not what it is. You don't get caught. You don't get to have the freedom to do just pretty much whatever it is that you want in whatever direction you want. And sexual immorality was part of that. And that's where these guys were going with this. And he's saying, "No, no, you can't do that. You got to move away from that." Because he says here that 
We don't have to have, you know, we need food to survive, but we don't have to have sex to survive. Our bodies were not designed for sex first and then everything else and afterwards. And our body is for the Lord and the Lord for our bodies. To, the Amplified puts it to save, sanctify, and to raise it again. And so um, the way the world is now and the way the mentality is and the way life is, is that our bodies were developed for sex first. And even from when I was a kid, I can remember, you know, you better have sex first before you get married so that way you know whether you guys are compatible or not because you don't want to get stuck with someone that doesn't know what they're doing for the rest of your life, you know. You better make sure you got it down you know what's up and that sort of thing. And it has, as Satan has done things, it has increased to you know, what we have now, and it's ridiculous, which we will get into here in a minute. But in verse 14 says, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Because there's some people that can't even have sex. There's some people that aren't interested in it and those kinds of things, and so that's not an issue. And so the body is to be raised up in the last day, and it's to be used by God, and it's His And so God will both raise up, as He raised the Lord up, He's going to raise us up by His power also. And so we've never been given any kind of liberty for any kind of sexual immorality. Looking at verse 15, He says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. What they were doing was they were combining, the Corinthians were combining old traditions with a way of life into their new walk with God. And so what they were doing was they had this, well, Let me explain a little bit here. Corinth was destroyed by Rome in 140 B.C. And it became a Roman colony about 100 years later. And and it was a Greek city. And uh, so by the time Paul's came, it was like huge. But it was only a relatively young city. But it was a seaport. A lot of sailors there. There was, uh, and it was extremely wealthy, and it was very, very populated. There was a lot, a lot of people there. But the old um, temple of Aphrodite was there, and that's the Greek god of love. And, and so Aphrodite, you know, was the Greek, but Venus is the Greek version of Aphrodite. Venus is the Roman god of love. And so um, the, the way that they worshipped and did worship with within this whole thing was by using prostitution. And uh, so the Corinthians were all for, you know, knowing Christ and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and so they had received Him as Lord and everything. And they, did, they didn't, you know, hold to the, uh, to, the, to the Roman gods and all that kind of stuff and everything. But that one part of worship they seemed to want to hang on to. They really didn't want to give up that prostitution part of it, you know. And so Paul is having to deal with sexual sin full on. It's something that was going on that that these guys were involved with that had to be dealt with. 
And so he's, he's saying that, that, that what they were, they were combining all of this, but he was starting to lay it down. And he's like saying, our bodies are members of Christ. And we, you know, can we be members of harlots or prostitutes? No. And if we lie with a harlot, then we become one. The two become one flesh. This is a physical thing, by the way. When God says that the two become one flesh, when you become one flesh with your spouse and, and that sort of thing, it's a physical attraction. It's a real thing. There's like chemicals that go on in your brain and it meshes this sort of thing. They find that guys that do um, um, use prostitutes will generally go back to the same one over and over and over again. And it has to do with a physical thing. It's an interesting um, I like how God does things when he says the two become one, but then all of a sudden you begin to realize that, that it's a physical thing that he's doing within our bodies too. And that's why we're uh, you know, attracted to this one particular person. And that's why divorce and those kinds of things are so devastating and, and horrible because it shreds all of this and everything gets broken up with this sort of thing. And, and that's why fornication is so difficult because you can't keep on having you know relationships with this person this person this person this person this person because you're becoming one with them and your life is just all in a turmoil and shredded you can't keep doing it over and over and over again and that's what was going on here and he's saying that you can't do this that because the two become one flesh when you have sex with a person and that, that whole thing, that chemical thing begins to happen and you, you get messed up there. Man, I'm glad that I don't know any prostitutes and I'm not involved with any of that mess. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, in fact, I don't even know. Oh, I'm sure there are. There's a house around here somewhere. I don't know what there are, but um, I'm sure there's somebody around here that may know um, that, but, um, you know, I don't know. If that's prevalent in, you know, in our little city here as to whether we have that sort of thing or not. But uh, I do know that uh, pornography and masturbation would easily become our prostitute. And that would be the place that we would settle at. And that's the thing that we need to deal with. Because I may not be physically involved with a person, but um, I have something at my disposal all the time, all the time, all the time that I can use and with masturbation then I can be satisfied all the time with this. And this is one of the most debilitating and destructive things that's going on in our society, in our city, in this state, in this church right now. This is absolutely devastating and it's taken over. And it's not a joke. This is real. This is something that we all have to deal with. Yeah, I know we don't have a lot of young ones in here, but this is something that we have to think about. Because this is destroying families. And as we get more and more and more involved in, you know, in technology, the easier and easier and easier it is. With the internet, uh, pornography will never, ever go away. Never. It will just get worse. And it's just going to keep ramping up. It's something that we need to deal with. We're going to try to deal with this as a church. 
And this is where God has placed us right now. The destructive nature of what the Corinthians were doing with, with, um, with prostitution is no different than what's going on in our church right now with pornography. And it's just something that we have to deal with. <clears throat> um, I don't know. You're going to tell me that masturbation and pornography is the same as having a prostitute? Come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And where does it say in the Bible that I can't masturbate? Really? It really doesn't. It says in Genesis 38 that there was a guy who was going to, uh, he's, his brother died and he was supposed to impregnate his sister-in-law to further on his brother's lineage. And he didn't want to do that, so he kind of, you know, spilled it out on the ground. And uh, he got, uh, God killed him for that, you know. And then there was, then in, in Leviticus 15, I believe, Leviticus 15, it talks about discharges and stuff and being ceremonially clean and unclean and those kinds of things and how to deal with that stuff, how to get fixed up so you can go back to worship in the temple and all that kind of stuff. But um, it doesn't really say, but I don't think the problem is really in the act itself, but it's in the stimulation factor. Job 31, 1 through 3, um, he says that he doesn't even want his eyes to look upon a young woman. In 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4, we know what happened there. That David was up on the house and he was scoping out some girl taking a bath and pretty soon, you know, he orders her to be brought to him so that he can have sex with her. And you know what happened from that. <clears throat> And then in um, Proverbs 6.25, it says, don't lust after, you know, her beauty. And then in James 1.14 and 15, it says that when we're tempted, we're carried away and, you know, and then, you know, it's by our desires and then, you know, eventually it will bring death. First John 2.6. <clears throat> this is one I want to read. I was afraid this might get a little long, but I think I can make it. First John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And so Matthew 5.28 says, But if I say to you that whoever looks at a woman with lust, for he has already committed adultery with her in um, his heart. And that's where we're at. So then, what are we looking at here? Are you saying then that pornography and masturbation would be the same as adultery? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're looking at something or someone with lust, then yeah. And if you don't like that, and if you think that's a bit of a stretch, then we can go all the way back to the point where it says in 1 Corinthians 6-9 that adultery is then being godless and it's sinning against God. And that, that I've made a, created a new idol and I've gone in that direction. And because I've gone in that direction, that then and indeed is adultery. 
So this whole thing is just uh, brought us to the place where we have a prostitute, we have it in our midst, and we're indulging in something like this that needs to be dealt with, and it needs to stop. And if you don't think that pornography is really a problem, then I have stats for you, and you know that I would. Okay, guys, why don't you put that website up there for me? <clears throat> this is a website by Josh McDowell, and it's called Just One Click Away. And this, if you're struggling with this, then please go to this website. There's resources and there's places there that you can get some help and, and, and those kinds of things here. There's also, um, to encourage you, there's, are, there is four pastors here now. And then also in the women's ministry, and yes, this is a problem for the ladies too. There is a, um, you know, Jerry in the women's ministry here, there is help available that way. So please um, go to these places and get this kind of help. But um, this is a good place to start right here. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second, over $3,000 is being spent on pornography on the internet. Every second. This is old stuff, too. This is from the early 2000s. 40 million, 40 million Americans peop, uh, regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. 25% of all search engine queries are related to pornography, or about 68 million searches searches a day one-third of porn users are women one-third of porn users are women 2.5 billion emails sent or received every day contain porn every 39 minutes a new pornography video is being created in the united states that's just here and we're at about 20 percent of the porn industry in america and then it says there's about 200,000 Americans are porn addicts, and I don't believe that for a second. I don't even, I think it is way, way beyond that. Way beyond that. According to the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families in 2010, 47% of the families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. So if there's 200,000 um, people that have a problem, that are an addict to porn, but 47% of the families in the U.S. say that there's a problem with it, those numbers don't even come close to adding up. <clears throat> Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 40% of sex addicts lose their spouses, 58% suffer considerable financial losses and about a third lose their jobs. And that's the definition of addiction. And we've been talking about that for years. If you have a problem with drugs and alcohol or whatever, you're going to lose, you know, your job, your family. You're going to lose um, your freedom because you wind up in jail and then eventually you're going to lose your life. That's just the way it happens. And those are guarantees. Those aren't maybes. Those are guarantees if you continue in your addiction. And that's what they're saying with this. 
68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting a new over the internet, and 56% involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. So we got a lot of stuff against us because the prostitute that we have in our midst is very active and very successful. The average age for the first time contact with pornography is nine. So if your kids have a phone, if your kids have access to the internet, check it out. Be aggressive, be active, pay attention. If you got to move the computer or, or whatever, take their phones away or whatever, stop their internet on their phone, do whatever it takes, but save their life. And yeah, they might hate you for a while, but they're going to love you in the end. Be active in this and pay attention to it. And be watchful. Five out of ten men in church are struggling with pornography. That's 50%. That's half of us. And this is from 2004. Because a lot of the information is old. The more that the sin progresses in this manner, a lot less research or statistics there are on it because they don't want to calculate and figure out how bad off we are. And you can find a lot of stuff that says that porn is really good for your relationship too, but just stay out of that because it's stupid. 51% of pastors say cyber pornography is a possible temptation. 37% say it is a current struggle. Those are pastors. That is from 2001. You're talking about something that happened 15 years ago. Wow. <clears throat> So, looking at verse 18 now, the good news. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does in verse 18 does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul is so awesome, man, because he'll bring down a good whipping, but he always brings in encouragement and a, and a help at the end. He always does this. He doesn't paint a bleak picture, slap you upside the head, and then just leave you bleeding and hurting, and then say, oh, well, get over it. He doesn't do that. This is awesome here. Because the New Living Translation says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It's destructive to the family, but it starts with yourself. Excuse me. And so it's, it's a sin against your own body. The Amplified says, Flee from impurities in thought, word, or deed. And if that isn't pornography, I don't know what is. Thought, word, and deed. This stuff takes over a person's life. And it's male and female too. And children. 
Could you imagine being nine years old, being caught up in this stuff and raised in it? What a distorted view of the marriage bed you would have. And it's happening all over the place. So how can I stop, man? I mean, come on. Okay, so I'm just dust then. The prayer, the word, accountability. But remember verse 11. We are purified by atonement. And then it says that we are made free from the guilt of sin. Do you believe that? If you have received Christ as Lord and Savior, you are free from the guilt of sin. That means you have the ability to overcome it, to stop it, to go move away from it. And, and if you need accountability, it's here for you. And, and so, move in, in whatever way is possible to stop this. And if you're struggling with it, then let's take care of it. And as far as guilt and sin and all that kind of stuff goes, you know, uh, God has got that covered because He's removed the guilt of sin. Yeah, I know I'm a sinner. And if half of us is involved in this stuff already, then let's take care of it. There can't be any shame. I'm glad I'm not in that group like all those weird perverts over there. That's half the church. I mean, I can't like, you know, point around and say anything because we're all in the same boat. So let's take care of it. Let's fix this. And it says then that uh, we're pronounced righteous by trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you received him by faith, by trust. You said, yes, Lord, I believe and, and that you died for my sin and I received you. So now comes to the point, are you going to trust him for this? Am I going to, Lord, I trust you with everything, man. I had cancer. I had all kinds of problems. I have all this stuff going on and stuff. Am I going to then trust you for my porn addiction? You better believe it. And do you think he's not, he's going to bring a healing? Absolutely. He died for the sin of your porn and the shame of that just as if he did anything else. No matter what it is, he's taking care of it. Oh yeah, we have a lot of shame involved with this sort of thing. But let's get over that and let's get it fixed and get it taken care of. And the encouragement is there for that. We don't have to stay in this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said to hang on to that because there is one thing. He says that our body, you know, he says that um, <clears throat> I want to get this right. Hold on, just talk. Well, I completely lost it here. Anyways, it says that we trust God and we receive Him as Lord and Savior and also by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives in us. And that's what's important to know that the Spirit of God lives in us. And we have the ability to overcome. He's in you and that you have Him from God and you're not your own. And so everything is in place to fix this stuff. We were bought at a price. And so let's glorify God with our bodies and with our spirits which are God's. 
the guilt and shame of illicit affairs and those kinds of things or being involved with someone else and, and that sort of thing. It's devastating to the spouse that is left on the outside, you know. I heard this horrible song the other day somewhere. I was in a store or something. It was horrible. It was about some country song. It was this guy singing that, that you know, he was talking about how he was talking about how awesome his wife was and how he was holding her, but he was loving somebody else. It was disgusting, you know? And it was like, what, what is up with that? Why, you know? And, and, you know, I feel guilty. Yeah, you should. You know, it's gross, you know? And, and so this, this sort of thing is, is, is but, but when it comes along that line, you know, maybe it's easier to use this than it is to, to get involved with other people and all those kinds of things, but it's just as destructive. Can you imagine what your spouse would feel like when they find out that you're involved in this and, and how inadequate they may feel because you're involved in something like this and uh, how are they going to compete with hundreds of thousands of images? And it's going to take you down places that you would never, ever have imagined that even exist. Paths that, that, that no one even, that, that even in your wildest imagination, you would never dream people would do to each other. And then people try to do this with their spouse or whatever. Or on the side of that women somehow like being raped. And that, that, that that's okay and stuff. And so you see a rise in these kinds of things because of this. This is a difficult subject. And you can see why it was, you know, rated PG-13. Because we need to be conscious of young people. But at the same time, at nine years old, you know, how young? When do we really start talking about um, sex with our kids? With my kids, it was you know, 10, 11, something like that. It's not the way it is anymore. As soon as they can gain some kind of understanding, you start teaching them what, they're supposed, what it's supposed to be because the destructive side of it is already hooking them in. Because if years back it was nine years old, who knows what it is now? Who knows how, what, five? You know? How many people do you see letting kids play on their phone? You know? just to keep them occupied so they don't bother me, you know? It happens all the time. Yeah, it's just a game or something like that, but you just don't know. And so we're, we're at a, a critical place here. We're at a real, you know, place here that has to be dealt with. And so um, the church is open and available. If there is a situation in your life, if you're struggling with this, come and talk to us. And, um, you know, let us... Uh, um, work through it so that um, you can get away from this. But prayer, being in the Word, and then some accountability is going to happen. And so let's move in that and, and allow Christ to overcome this in our lives and not be beat up by this. Because there's no reason for it. Because, you know, this is another thing that we need to deal with and it's no more shameful than any of the other sin that we get caught up in. So let's allow God to move and to heal us and to heal our fellowship. And let's encourage one another.
in that. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, um, we just want to honor You and glorify You and, and, and worship and praise You. Lord, we have a real uh, problem in our fellowship, in this state, in, this, in our country, Lord, in our families, within us. And Lord, this, this situation, we want to give it over to You right now, Father. We want to move against the pornography that's in our lives in this fellowship. We want to place it into your hands. We ask that you'll remove it, Lord. That you'll extract it out. That you'll cut it out. That you'll take whatever means it is to get us to a place to where we're free from this. And we're not involved in this anymore. Lord, we want to give this over to you right now. We pray for a protection on our children. That you'll protect their minds and their eyes and their little hearts. And that they won't get caught up in this stuff. Please save us, Lord. And... and and bring us to that place of just trusting you. Lord, we trust you. And we, want, and we know that we're free from the guilt of sin. And Lord, we want to live that way. And so, Father, over, overcome this stuff in our lives. And, and give us freedom in that. We honor and worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.